Welcome to the Joe Ciccarelli Show, where I coach and inspire you to live your very best life, one step at a time. I hated my job. I was getting paid a really shitty salary. I was working in atmospheres where my colleagues, my boss, it was really toxic. People weren't really taking care of each other. You weren't encouraged to take care of yourself. The hours were long. I could barely prioritize my own basic needs. Okay, it's tough. I know a lot of people can relate to that. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 16 of the Joe Ciccarelli Show. Today's episode, past life soul regression therapy, dream walking, and drinking cava with Altair Cambada. That was almost a rhyme there. Uh, this was a really neat episode. Um, for a guy that's so like entrenched in action and what are we going to do? What are we going to do? How do we do it? How do we do it? This was a really cool step back into... Um, some really interesting esoteric stuff that uh, Altair really opened my eyes to. Uh, we met via Instagram. We're both in the life coaching space and just kind of connected. I, I liked a lot of the stuff she was doing. What really caught my eye was this past life soul regression therapy. So the effectively like looking at your past lives and uh, we spend the first 20 minutes talking about that. And uh, we go deep into the weeds. So if you're looking for like specific action, like you normally get out of this episode, the first 20 minutes isn't really that. It's more just a conversation about what past life soul regression therapy is, how it works. Um, you know, looking at your past lives to me, I don't know, I kind of, I'm into the taboo of like um, extraterrestrial, whatever the hell it is, like the, the other side of life that we don't know. So I'm just genuinely interested in that. So I wanted to talk to her about it. Uh, if you're looking for more action, You've also come to the right episode. So for the latter half, maybe the last 30, 35 minutes, she gives, Altair gives us a play-by-play on how to implement reality transurfing. Now, the funny thing is, before this episode, she didn't know what reality transurfing was. She just hadn't heard of it. But the idea of manifesting, law of attraction, um, th- using your thoughts to attract the things you want in your life, she has down to a T. And for any of you guys that caught my reality transurfing episode, uh, the, the, the biggest critique I would give myself on that is I didn't do a really good job of pulling out of Renee, like, like we didn't use, we didn't identify a really good example and say, here's step by step how you did it. And in here we did. And Altair talks about how she manifested a yellow motorcycle into her life because that's what she wanted. And it was a pretty recent thing that she did. And I really push her on, okay, well, what did you do next? How did you do this? And so if it's something that you're interested in doing when she starts talking about like dream walking, it's just, it really opened my eyes to like how to practice. I get the idea of thinking positively. I get the idea of trying to focus on something and think highly of it and bring it into my life. But I didn't really see the day-to-day practice of it. And what I really learned from this is uh, how Altier approaches it. And I've been using some of these techniques and um, it's been really exciting so far. Uh, before I let the episode rip, I want to give a little. I want to give um, a little background on her. So Altair is a transformational life guide and mentor for those eager to gain the support, coaching, and magical gifts needed to face the threshold of their life with adventure and confidence. Her multidisciplinary and multicultural pr- approach provides a modern day wellness experience, guiding aspiring leaders and healers to lives of prosperity, personal well being, spiritual fulfillment, and a strong sense of purpose. Altair combines her degrees in skills in life coaching, clinical herbalism and nutrition, flower essence therapy, past life soul regression therapy, shamanic practices, archetypal psychology, mindset 
Imitation training and intuitive channeling to provide her clients with a unique and transformative healing experience that restores their lives from the inside out with rapid and radical results. Uh, a lot there to unpack, and we unpack it over the next hour here. This is a cool episode, guys. I hope you enjoy it, and uh, I look forward to your feedback. Altier, awesome. Thank you for joining today. Uh, how you doing? I'm I'm doing really well, thank you. We're in a bit of a heat wave here, you know, in Switzerland of all places, but um it's it's pretty hot. It makes me feel a little bit a little bit soporific, a little bit sleepy more than usual, which is why I'm so glad I have my cup of coffee here with me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um okay, I have a bunch of questions about your background and stuff, but before something I kind of have a burning question that I want to hop right in with and that's this past life regression uh that's part of the coaching is it would you consider that coaching a therapy or both it is a type of therapy it is a type, type of therapy. therapy yes so can you explain that because that just when i hear past life soul regression um that just gets my curiosity and sends it through the roof so can you explain that i'm so happy to hear that it makes you curious yes let's yeah. dive that because it's one of the most exciting things that I do, in my opinion. It's one of the therapies that I am most passionate about offering to my clients because it is a direct experience with the infinite nature of the human soul. So, first of all, you know, this experience commands a certain level of appreciation or grappling with the idea that we do in fact have a soul, right? So that's the most exciting thing is that this is a direct Mm. confrontation with the soul. And like 18 year old me, who was a complete Marxist atheist would shit herself if she knew that (laughs) I was doing past life soul regression therapy for people now. But I have come to accept and embrace this as just a law of creation. We do reincarnate. We do embody multiple times, many times, hundreds of times within the larger context of growing, expanding, and evolving as a soul and an aspect of creation. Okay. Um, And so there's a couple of things there that I want to unpack. So the first one is... uh, is it infinite? So is your, I guess, where, where does your belief come from on this? So your belief is that one, just like you said, I mean, that we have a soul. Um, it's funny. I had a, a released uh, episode got a couple of weeks ago now uh, on reality transurfing and that's in the key to that. And we'll talk more about kind of your approach to actionably attaining the life you want later on. But the, 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 the idea behind that is getting your soul in mind in um, your soul in mind in, uh, in parallel, really, and yeah. really understanding what your soul wants, because most so many people focus on what their mind wants. So the first thing that I'm hearing you kind of say is like, look at look at yourself and realize that you have a soul. Um, and then the second one is that that soul is, um, and I'm I'm using this word and correct me if I'm wrong, but is it like inf- infinite? So it's just it's goes transcends through multiple lives and generations. Is is that am, am I interpreting that right? Yes. Again, I think you have to have a really open mind to start exploring the kind of the infrastructure of this 
cosmology or what this actually looks like in, in physical terms, you know, the definition of what is a soul? Where did it come from? How long mm. does it exist? What is its purpose? And that is a really long conversation because it can look a little bit different um, for everyone. And what I've also come to appreciate is that there are other life forms on other planets that are also part of this process um, and that we can actually incarnate not just on earth but in other places in the universe you know and that's when it really starts to blow your mind you know this has been such a trip for me because the scale of the nature of the soul just continues to just leave me um, just breathless. Um, But the idea is that we do each have a soul, that it was born from the source energy of this universe, and that our soul will continue to incarnate in order to learn, to experiment, to create. And from what I understand, there is eventually a stage in which it's no longer important to incarnate in the physical realm. And the soul actually ends up spending most of its time in these non-physical realms, you could call them other dimensions, where your responsibility may be to teach or guide souls that are continuing to incarnate on earth. Or you might have a completely different responsibility. You might have a responsibility for building new planets in the universe. You know, it's really Mm. the spectrum of soul work and soul purpose is just mind-blowing. Yeah, it is. When when you said when you were 18, you said like you were atheist and a Marxist and now mm-hmm. you're like you wouldn't believe what you're doing now what what made you what was it that you saw that made you transition into someone that now kind of kind of believes in all this stuff and and practices it and helps others believe in it you know I think that the more interesting transition for me was my transition into atheism because I have memories of being a very young child and having a lot of very mystical and magical experiences. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners can relate to this. And at a certain point, um, I shifted away from that. And for me personally, that was due to several different factors, one of which being I was very academic. And I appreciated learning and being an intellectual. And at some point, I think it makes sense that in order to appear more clever or more realistic about the nature of reality, you tend to prioritize science You tend to prioritize philosophy, which offers explanations for why humans would have developed these stories to provide meaning to our lives, you know, and this kind of cynical, critical approach to the mystical experience 
took priority for me because I felt like I seemed more clever. And then I also grew up in rural Virginia in the Bible Belt. And there was a part of me that really rebelled against institutional religion and some tenets of Christianity that I didn't agree with. And so there was shock value in what I was doing. And um, yeah, I, I thought I was, I was more clever that way. Um, but then uh, it just so happened that there was a part of me that really longed to believe that there were aspects to our day-to-day life that were we couldn't necessarily see them, but that we could sense them, that, um, you know, as an anthropology student at university, I was an anthropology student, and I would take classes on topics like shamanism. And What is shamanism? So shamanism is, you know, categorized as the first faith or the first religion on the planet. And it's this idea that, you know, very, in a very broad sense, that animals and plants and stones and the river and that everything around us has a spiritual quality to it. And that shamans are able to leave our ordinary reality and enter into realms of non-ordinary reality where they can predict the future or heal others and bring important information back into the community Mm. from spiritual realms, whether it's the upper realms or the lower realms, they travel, they travel outside of their bodies. Interesting. Okay. And you studied that. When I was taking these classes, I would tell my professors like, oh, well, shamans are so great because they can convince their patients that what they're doing is real. So there's a placebo effect and then the person gets better. And I was a really good student. And I remember getting like a C on a paper where I said that. And my professor was like, look, if you're going to be a good anthropologist, if you're going to study the spectrum of human experience... You can't just keep doubting that what people say they're experiencing is that is real is not real. You know, you're not allowed to apply that kind of <laughs> scientific method to this work. You have to keep an open mind. And there was a part of me that felt really relieved about that. I remember my yeah, father, he invited a Buddhist monk over for dinner when I was really young And I was really curious about this Buddhist monk. You know, they were friends. And my dad was trying to explain to me why he wore orange robes and why he ate a vegetarian diet. And he said, it's part of his religion, you know. And I said, okay, well, what else does he believe? And my dad said, well, he also believes that we have multiple lives. And as a young child, for some reason, that really resonated with me. And I remember turning to this Buddhist monk at dinner and saying, Bhante, How many past lives have I had? And he said, child, you've had more lives than there are stars. And it was really enchanting to me. And so it was like allowing that 
belief to repopulate my experience. And, it, you know, a little bit of kismet was thrown in when at university, while I was studying shamanism, I came across all just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of case studies that had been recorded by a scientist who had a job at this tiny little segment of the medical department at the University of Virginia called the School for Perceptual Studies. And they were studying phenomena, psychic phenomena, like telekinesis and remote viewing. And they had someone on their team who was studying case studies of children who spontaneously remembered their past lives. And I read hundreds of these case studies from children all over the world. You know, and if you read 20 of those, it's like, okay, well, that's some kind of fancy, elaborate illusion that these parents are concocting with their children. And, you know, how can we possibly know that this is a real phenomenon? But after reading hundreds and hundreds of detailed case studies, you start to become curious And it just awoke a natural curiosity inside of me. And then I eventually went through a career shift. You know, I was training to work in international development. And um, after the unexpected death of my older brother, he had a heart attack at a very young age. He was only 35. And I felt like I was starting to communicate with him from the other side. And it just opened me up to all kinds of different psychic phenomena, spiritual phenomena. I knew that in myself, I deeply wanted to heal. My life was a shit show at that point. And I knew I had to make a ton of changes. And so as I embarked on the spiritual path, I realized that not only was I curious about my past lives all of a sudden, but um, I was very good at helping other people see theirs. So it's become a part of my work. Mm. So without obviously giving away all your secrets, um, how would it, if, if I were to say, Hey, I want to do this, what does the process look like? And what are most people that do this normally walk away with? Beautiful questions. So the process from start to finish is that, you know, first of all, I ask my clients to set some kind of an intention around what it is that they would like to know or discover about their purpose, about various perhaps relationships in their lives. And then, you know, I either connect with them in person or I'm able to do this work over the internet. So they lie down in a comfortable position and I have them enter into a state of deep relaxation by way of a guided meditation that I offer. And this guided meditation, the intention is to induce a trance-like state of consciousness. What we're really doing is we're dropping from the beta brainwave state into the alpha brainwave state. So we're just dropping it down a notch in terms of how alert and awake we are. We drop it down in, in alpha brainwave state, you know, this is a better portal into the subconscious mind. So once my client is deeply relaxed, then we step into a past life of significance. 
that person is able to directly experience and see a past life scene by scene until we arrive to the death scene. So we do see how that life came to a close. At that stage, the person now has the memory of crossing over. And at that stage, we invite that person's spirit guide or spirit teacher to appear. And in that conversation, the individual is not only able to ask questions, clarifying questions about the past life they just experienced, but also they're able to have the opportunity to ask pressing questions about their current life today. And their current life questions could be about a particularly distracting health condition that they have. They might have tried everything to try and fix it, but nothing's working. And they get really amazing spirit guidance from the other side. They might be curious if the person that they're in a romantic relationship with today is their soulmate. You know, if they've had previous lifetimes together. They might have questions around, you know, whether to quit their job and pursue their passion. So really, you can ask these incredibly broad, overarching questions um, that are also like, deeply specific to your own happiness. And I'd say that what people get out of the experience, it's a combination of several different things. The first being it can be incredibly affirming to know that something you're passionate about in this life, you've had that skill or that gift or that ability in a previous life, and you're being called to continue to express that in this life. You know, it's very empowering to have that, to know that you've done something before and you're here to do it again. And then I would also say that... (laughs) It's very easy to let go of a a limiting belief or some kind of a habit or a pattern that's keeping you stuck at a certain level of your own personal growth or development when you can see very clearly that you also did the same thing in a past life. (laughs) At that stage, it like really lights a fire under your ass to be like, okay, not again. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. In in theory, who is this spiritual or the the kind of the gu- the guide? I guess is that this is like kind of. I'm looking at this. I'm, I'm and I'm making this too simple. I understand that, but is it almost like this the subconscious kind of like coming to the conscious? Is that sort of what's going on? Oh well, in conversation with your spirit guide, that is straight up your spirit guide this entity this presence has been with your soul since its very first life really so So it's okay we all have guidance on the other side you know it doesn't just consist of our ancestors although that is also real it does consist of our ancestors but it also consists of spirits who have accepted the responsibility and the role of being deeply mm, aware of our choices and our growth as a soul. And between lives, we 
engage in conversation with this guide who helps us to learn from things that we'd like to learn from our past life and apply those things to our next life. So, you know, it's, it's an actual presence. And a lot of my clients ask, you know, how can I continue this conversation with my guide now? And so I've gotten into the habit of asking the guide to give that person a sign of some kind of when that guide is around or how to know when the guide is giving kind of inspiring insights to that individual if they're going through a problem in their day. And so very practically, they do receive signs, like their, their left hand might go numb, or, you know, it might be the, the feeling of sun shine on their skin or something like that. Wow. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, I could probably spend an hour or two talking about that, but um, <laughs> that's incredible. Uh, okay. Um, so how did, I mean, what other stuff do you focus on in your practice and um, outside of just this? Uh, like what are, I was pretty interested, you were telling me about, uh, obviously you do, you're into like a lot of the uh, herbal medicines and stuff. You talked about how, we all kind of come from one place. I'm, I'm just paraphrasing here a little bit, but can you kind of give a broader sense to kind of type of people you work with and the type of problems you help them solve? Absolutely. So yes, I am a medical herbalist and a nutritionist. Yeah. And I also have been trained in flower essence therapy and lots of other modalities I think that the umbrella explanation for what I do is that I like to give people the keys to the universe. And basically what I mean by that is I like to teach people what we weren't taught in terms of how powerful we each individually are to create our own reality and my favorite people to work with, in fact, like exclusively, really, I'm working with people who would use that knowledge for good to be of service. So I love working with aspiring leaders, aspiring healers, so that they have all the tools that they need to really leverage their vision for a new earth and to have fun while doing it and to have a lifestyle that is cool and fun and comfortable while doing that. That's what I'm passionate about. Yeah. Um, and then one of the things that we talked about in our kind of previous conversation, um, well, there was a bunch of stuff, but <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out there. Like uh, on the, on the herbal stuff, you would drink uh, Cava and I wanted to talk about, uh, you were told me about one of the drinks. So um, we were having a conversation. I saw you were drinking something. I, I thought it was a green smoothie and it actually wasn't even green at all. But um, when, when when we were chatting, um, you had mentioned that you were drinking cava. And my wife and I had just gone to a cava bar here. I would assume most of the people listening may or may not have ever heard about it. Um, but you seem very knowledgeable about it. We tried it once. And uh, uh, it was a pretty cool thing because it was like we went into this like seemingly it was like a Friday night went into like what seemed like a coffee bar. But people are drinking cava and it's like an alternative to like, I guess going out and drinking alcohol um, or I'm, it, not 
only an alternative to that, but like, yeah, can can you just talk a little bit about Caver a little bit? Because I think I'm really interested in. It. I think people, most people, haven't heard about it, and I think it's a. In my experience, was it was awesome. Yes, I'm so glad that you tried it, and you know, there it is hitting the scene. You are finding. Yeah, it is. It's starting to become a thing. <laughs> it's out there. You know, I went to a kava bar last year in um, Portland. There were kava bars in Denver, Colorado. Of course, I've had kava in Hawaii, but it's natively grown there. It's very much a part of the local cultural tradition in Hawaii. So it's not as unusual to find it there. But if you are in Hawaii, you will find kava bars everywhere. And so it is a plant. It is, the Latin name is Piper Methysticum. And it comes from the South Pacific. And it's renowned for having this euphoric effect It's a muscle relaxant. It is a mild intoxicant. You know, it's traditionally used in spiritual ceremonies to connect with spirit forces, spirit guides, because it elicits a slightly altered state of consciousness. And, you know, more recently has been used in the context of conflict resolution. And so peoples in the South Pacific, whether it was warring tribes or a husband and wife who were trying to sort out an issue, they would be offered kava or awa, as it's also called locally. And they would have a cup of awa before having a conversation about how they were going to solve their problems which is great because it puts everyone in this really relaxed mood and it's much more conducive to coming to some kind of a happy compromise. So it's cool because it's a relaxant to the body, but the mind still stays fairly alert, very focused, but just with a lightness of being, a euphoria, a happiness. Yeah, I got like a numbness on my lips when I when I drank. Is that is that normal? Yeah, so that comes from the kava lactones. So that is a compound in the plant um, that has that yeah tingly tingly effect on the mucous membranes. That is normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was cool. I actually did feel relaxed, and I didn't know if it was like placebo or or what, but. Um, it's just, yeah. I mean, the idea of being able to go out, I'm not a big drinker. My wife and I aren't big drinkers, uh, but it's, you know, you still want to go out and socialize with people. And it was just, it was cool. It was a really good experience. Then when I noticed you were drinking it, uh, if you haven't tried, if you're listening and you haven't tried Kava, um, am I pronounced, is it Kava or Kava? Well, it's Kava Kava. Is, is Kava. Kava. Kava Kava. Um, yeah, check out in your local area. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they're all over. I know I'm in uh, Tampa area and there's a bunch up here. I mean, a bunch. And so I'm, I'm sure they're all over the US now. It's cool. Yeah. And, you know, like I recommended to you and I'll recommend to the listeners, you definitely are going to experience more of an effect on an empty stomach. Ah, that was right. Good call. Good call. Best practice. <laughs> And if you're also, if you're prone to indulging in substances that do um, 
elicit an altered state of consciousness, you know, just take it easy. Don't, don't overdo it. You know, the magic of these experiences, I think is keeping them unique in, in their frequency. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So what I do want to get to a big part of also, what I also wanted to talk about was, um, you said something when we chatted that was super interesting about, um, the idea of, and it's funny because like I said, I just got off this big reality transurfing kick. But one of the things that you talked about was uh, we talked about like actionable. I want people, I mean, there's, there's so much we could talk about that's so interesting. But like people that listen to this, when you work with people and they want to make actionable change in their life, you talked about creating like this idea in your mind that you wake up with every day, right? And it's like, I have my ideal client and the ideal client is going to come to me Uh it's so much in life, the more research I do, and I'm sure you'd agree with this, so much of it is mindset, it's thought form, it's where we resonate on our thought on the thought form ladder um, and thinking about the right things and then taking steps in that direction. Well, what is it in your, in what, what's your take on that and what's your approach on that? Yes, I, yes, I'm, I love this topic so much, Joe, because you, it doesn't cost anything. It's free. It's all about your mind. It's all about your thoughts. And so I have used these techniques, these practices to rebuild my life from scratch. Okay. When I was starting from zero, what my life looked like was I hated my job. I was getting paid a really shitty salary. I was working in atmospheres where my colleagues, my boss, it was really toxic. People weren't really taking care of each other. You weren't encouraged to take care of yourself. The hours were long. I could barely prioritize my own basic needs. Okay, it's tough. I know a lot of people can relate to that. I was sure. also, I was in a relationship that was a not not a healthy relationship. It looked amazing on paper. Uh, but I was really unhappy and it was, it was an abusive relationship and I had weird physical health problems that no doctor could diagnose. I had all these weird digestive issues. I felt tired and bloated all the time. My metabolism was awful. I was working out like five, six days a week and I was not losing any weight. I was gaining weight. My self-esteem was really poor. I had really shitty relationships with my family of origin. There was like a lot of trauma and dysfunction that I hadn't processed from when I was little. And at that point also, that's when my brother passed away. And I loved him so much. You know, he was, I looked up to him my entire life. And... I knew that I had to make changes with my life and I was desperate for the answer. I knew it couldn't be, this couldn't be it. I I just knew on some level, like this cannot be it. And so what I learned was that our thoughts and our emotions do not exist. They do not, they're not born and then die within our, our bodies and our consciousness, if that makes sense. Like our thoughts and our emotions reverberate 
beyond the confines of our physical body and are interacting with creation every moment of every day. And if everyone was taught this from a young age, then our world would look very different. But there have been a lot of systems that have gone to great lengths to make sure that this knowledge does not reach the public because it is so incredibly empowering. But, you know, when I was rebuilding my life, it was like, if I can give a metaphor, it's kind of like the first step is you have to get in touch with what you want your dream life to look like. And that's before that voice of like, no, you can't have that comes up or, oh, the only reason that other person was able to do that was because of her daddy's connections or whatever it is. Like those excuses, you have to first get in touch with your dream. So it's kind of like, um, <laughs> I don't know if you ever played The Sims, <laughs> like the computer game. I have, I have. Yeah, my wife's admittedly like obsessed with The Sims. <laughs> well, it's like so much better to play The Sims when you have the cheat code for like unlimited money. Yep, right? yep, yep, yep. <laughs> So it's like, you just have to like, look at your life as though you have the cheat codes for everything. It's like, you know, browse. It's as if you're browsing everything on Ikea and you're putting all of your perfect furniture in your house. You're not checking the price tag. You're just like, I like that. I like that. I like that. We know what we like. We deep down, we like instantly, immediately know what we like. If we're flipping through a magazine, I like that. If we're on social media, I like that. So first of all, it's like just embracing that, knowing what you like and what you don't like, what you want in your life. And to use the IKEA metaphor, it's like, okay, well, once you've decided on all those things that you want in your house, all this new furniture, the magic of using these various mindset practices is that you will start to receive bit by bit each item of furniture. You know, metaphorically speaking, it might not come all at once, like very much in the spirit of Ikea. It could arrive in lots and lots of different pieces and you have to sit there and kind of put it together in the sense that like the universe, if you want a cake, you want this perfect cake, it's like, okay, well, pay attention to where the eggs show up. And where the flower shows up. And then you have to do the work of being that conscious co-creator and putting those things together. But that's exciting and that's fun, right? That's what we're here to so, do. Right. And I agree with that. Here's where I struggle. I think other people that would listen to this would too. And I love your love your take on this. And so it's like, okay, I'm sitting in my life right now and it's like, okay, I want – and I know the IKEA thing's just an example, but <clears throat> I look at my life and – it's one life, but there's different areas, right? So uh, in my relationship, I want X. In my career, I want Z. Uh, and when I, when I say X, when I use these letters, I'm in the, uh, I know what I want in my relationship. I know what I love. I know what it could look like perfectly. I know what my career and everything could look like perfectly. I know what my, you know, my physical body, my workout routine could look like. Uh, I know what my, like the house I want to live in and the car I want to drive or the relationships I want with friends and family. How do you... It, it could get overwhelming quickly, right? Is like, uh, is it like you pick one at a time and really focus on becoming clear on that, or 
how do you approach that when it's like, I want everything to be perfect and not perfect in like a artificial way of like, but perfect for me. How do you start with that? I definitely would start with just focusing on one or two things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I like to go for what I call dream walks. And this is just a part of my day, which can be like 20 or 30 minutes where I go for a walk. And before I start my walk, I'm thinking about that thing that I would like to be a part of my reality. Whether Ah, I like that. (laughs) So, for example, I just like, it's incredible how I... The universe moved mountains and I wanted a motorcycle. And within a couple of weeks, I had like my dream motorcycle. And right now it's in my parking space outside my apartment and I ride my motorcycle every day. And a couple of weeks ago, it was just a dream of me going on these dream walks. And I don't even know how to ride a motorcycle. I didn't know how I was going to learn. I didn't know how I was going to get the money. I didn't know which motorcycle I was going to get. It was literally like from, I like pulled it out of thin air. So before I would go on these walks. So can I just ask you about that actually before we, because I just want to know, because what's the process in that? So you go on this dream walk and you're thinking about this motorcycle. You don't have any money for it. You don't know how to ride it. And now a few weeks later, you're riding a motorcycle. I am so bought in on the fact of being able to create things, but what, in in this situation, I'm sure every single situation is different. But in this situation, what what transpired? Like, yeah. how, how did it manifest in your life? Yes. So it started with the dreaming. So I would go on my dream mm-hmm. walks, or it was something I would think about while I was alone in my car. Right. So this is why this is so awesome. This work is so awesome because all you it's free. All you need is like some free time and some free space mentally. Like, take advantage of being in the shower. And having nothing else to do or being in the car on your commute and having nothing else to do. Turn those times into your dream times. That is so so practical. Yeah, because what we normally do is try and pick up our phone and spend as much time on social media to keep ourselves occupied as possible. And maybe that's a massive opportunity that most people are missing is that time alone where you're like, oh, shit, how do I keep myself busy is dream time. Oh, my God. Yes. Any like time suck or distraction, turn that if you're trying, and especially if you're starting from scratch, you have got to find those times in your day, which are your dream times. Make chunks of time available for yourself. It will change your life. So for me, it was like, well, I imagined what it would feel like to be on my motorcycle. How, fe- how good would that feel on these mountain roads? taking a turn really well. I wanted to like walk into like going to have a coffee date with a friend and like take off my motorcycle helmet and like swish my hair around and feel super cool. You're like, I knew what that would feel like. (laughs) I knew what it would feel like to have like the cool leather jacket. I would in the car listen to the soundtrack from Kill Bill because in that movie, there's a scene where Uma Thurman is riding her yellow motorcycle in Tokyo, and she looks super cool. And I was, and I just loved the vibe of watching that scene. 
and she's in her yellow jumpsuit and she's on her yellow motorcycle in downtown Tokyo and she's fierce and independent and this like badass babe. And I would think about where I would take my motorcycle and I would think about how good it was going to look like when I would walk out of my apartment each day and see it there and I could be like, hmm, that's my motorcycle. You know, all these little really detailed, this is my dream. That was my dream. Yeah. And so then the way it manifested. So a friend of mine, a good friend of mine told me one day, hey, Altair, I know someone who's doing a deal right now on motorcycle lessons. And so you should call him up. And I was like, okay, great. Called this guy. He was able to see me right away. I had my first lesson. It was like three hours. And I was like, cool. It feels good to be on a motorbike. It's not so hard. I still don't feel comfortable being on a road. Like I still don't know how to ride a motorcycle. It was only three hours, but it's cool so far. And this instructor was like, okay, now you should buy a motorcycle. And I was like, what? And he was like, well, if you keep renting a motorcycle, it's going to get expensive. You basically, you want to learn on the motorcycle you're going to be riding anyway. So you should buy a motorcycle. That's your next step. And so then I was like, oh, shit. You know, like that's when all the resistance started coming up. Because it's like, really? Like, I don't have money in the bank for that. Um. I don't even know what motorcycle I'm going to buy of like all the motorcycles on the planet. Which one's for me? I don't know. I don't want to make the wrong choice. I don't want something too powerful. I don't want something not powerful enough. What size do I get? I'm a chick, you know, like I'm a woman. It can't be too heavy. What if I drop it? All these things. So, you know, I just got inspired after that to say, okay, fine. That's my next step. So at least it's very clear what it is I have to do next. So I'm going to just suspend all of my doubts. And I'm going to think about which motorcycle I would get. And so I literally went online and I did a search and I just looked at pictures of motorcycles. And instead of thinking, like looking at the price tags and looking at all the specs and everything, I was just like, okay, well, which one feels the best? Which one do I like the best? This is where this work gets to be really, really fun because you just get to decide what you like. And so I saw this, I saw this one bike, it was a Ducati. I was like, that's cool. My dad had a Ducati. So I kind of knew the brand. It was really, it looked really great. Looked, looked nice. And I know they're super powerful. So I was like, yeah, okay, I'll get a Ducati. That's, that's probably the, the bike that I want. And then from there, it was really interesting. That's when things started to get a little bit weird because I had a good friend call me a couple days later and say, hey, Altair, there's someone in my apartment building. She's selling her used motorcycle. You should come and check it out. And so I went and I looked because it felt like a good invitation. I was like, I'm going to pay attention to this because like someone's thinking of me in terms of getting a motorcycle. It's used. It's a good price. I'm going to accept this invitation. I'm paying attention, right? Like this could be the eggs or the milk, you know, in that metaphor of like building the cake. You know, you have to start paying attention. And you have Mm -hmm. to recognize the invitations as they come. So I went and I looked at the bike, but it was really ancient, vintage, and too old. I I wasn't interested, but it was bright yellow. And I was like, well, that's a good sign. Because I've been listening to the Kill Bill soundtrack, and I'm into this, like, yellow. Right, right. (laughs) 
And I was like, okay, but that's not my bike. But I'm happy that this has happened because it feels like I'm getting closer, right? And I feel like my bike is going to be yellow. The next day after that, a good friend of mine from Florida sent me a picture. She said, Altair, I just bought a yellow dirt bike. I just wanted to send you a picture of my new dirt bike. And she sent, and it was yellow. You know, I hadn't mentioned to her that I was kind of thinking about it being a yellow bike. And I was like, okay, this is a good sign. People are like sending me pictures of yellow motorcycles. Like I can feel it getting closer. Like I'm obviously attracting some yellow motorcycles. I'm going to know the right one when I see it. A couple days later, I had a dream. I dreamt that I had a yellow Ducati Scrambler. And so the next morning, I was so inspired by that dream that I logged onto the internet. I went onto the Swiss, the Swiss used motorcycle website, which is Moto24. And you live in Switzerland for those. I, I, I'll mention that in the intro, but just for people that missed that, you're, you're currently living in Switzerland. I am. Yes. Yeah. That was a really cool thing that I wanted to manifest as well. You know, so I'm happy to be here in Switzerland. And that's a wonderful thing about manifesting your dream life is that there's always something next and more that you want to build as part of your life. And that's beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. It should be that way. Sure. So I, after having that dream, went on the website, someone had posted just a couple of hours before a used yellow Ducati scrambler in my town so I'd been looking at bikes like in other parts of Switzerland, like oh, Zurich or Bern, or am I going to travel and go pick up this motorcycle several hours away if it's a good deal? And it's like, honestly, I didn't want to have to deal with anything like that. So someone had posted this used yellow Ducati Scrambler in my hometown. I went to go check it out. The guy who owned the motorbike is a life coach like me. We got along really well. It's a pristine bike. And um, what had ended up happening that week was I got a refund from this school program that I had enrolled in. And uh, because of COVID, there were some things they weren't able to provide and offer as a result of the program. And the refund that I got was the exact same price as what this guy was asking for his used yellow Ducati Scrambler. And I paid cash for that motorcycle that day. Wow. <laughs> so it's fun. You know, you just have to, you have to let go of knowing how the thing is going to show up in your life. And you have to get excited about the opportunities that come up for you to actually have the thing that you want and you have to act on them and know when to act on them. And then you can have it. And I, and I hate to keep bringing, not that I hate to keep bringing reality transurfing up. Uh, have you, have you heard of it before? Have you, have no, you dealt at all with Rhea? I've got to check it out though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know we talked about that last time, but what you just described is, and I'm sure it's a, it's a lot of things, what you just described is the working diagram to reality transurfing, which is everything you just described. I mean, it's actually unbelievable. I, I don't think I've heard it described that well because when I did an episode on that, I had a lot of people kind of reach out to me 
And there's still a lot of confusion around it. But what, the way you just described is so true. And so there's a couple of things that I picked up in there. The first one is um, I love the the dream walks. I love the idea of taking free time to dream. I mean, you're sitting on the toilet and you're like, oh my, like, and I deal with this and maybe I'm, I, I don't think I'm that uh, different than other people. It's like every spare moment, we can't just be in our thoughts, right? And part of that is maybe because we we worry about that we're going to think about negative things, um, but <clears throat> that's also a choice. So we can be in our thoughts and manifest. So that was one that I really like. The other piece that you mentioned um, is, and I guess this is another question. Did you, so one thing is, is feeling good about it and paying attention to signs, right? Like a sign of, um, you know, Hey, this person reached out to me and, uh, asked me to go look at their motorcycle. So that's like, like you said, that's the cake or sorry, that's the egg or the milk. Do you talk to people? Um, about this? Like, do you go around and be like, Hey, Hey, how are you? Not like this literally, but like, do you want to let people know what you're manifesting or do you just kind of keep it in? Or is it not as in in your opinion, does not really matter? I think this is where intuition comes into play. And so if you are in a fairly clear state of mind, you're not worrying about about something, you're not in survival mode, you're feeling pretty peaceful and content. You know, I'm sure all of us can think of an example of having an idea pop into your head. Right? And you think like, Oh, I I should call that person. I haven't I haven't talked to that person in a while, I should call that person. Or the sense of like, hmm, I feel like I should go to the grocery store right now instead of waiting until later. I don't know why necessarily, but I just feel suddenly the impulse to do that. So when I'm manifesting something or calling something into my experience, I really trust when those ideas just kind of pop into my head. And then, you know, I will reach out to a particular person about something in that moment. So I'm not like taking a shotgun approach and blasting out on social media to all my friends saying like, help me find my new apartment. (laughs) Sure, sure. Right, right, right. But if it feels right, it's go with it. Yes. You know, sometimes in the middle of a coffee with someone, I'll realize, oh, hey, actually, do you know anyone who can help me move, uh, you know, my couch from my old place to my new place, like suddenly I just feel like you are the person that I need to ask about that. You know, I don't have this list of questions that I have in my mind that I, I share with every single person that I see. It's kind of like I'll ask that question internally. And if it feels, it's just, it's just a feeling. It's a if feeling, it feels yeah. Like, yes, tell that person. Yeah. Sometimes you don't want to tell your dream to someone and I'll tell you why. They might start to, doubt that it's possible for you and tell you that it's crazy and tell you not to do it and give you all kinds of reasons about why that's ridiculous thing to want or aspire to. That's dangerous. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Wow. Okay. Um, Another thing I liked about this was uh, I think you at least for me, there's a, what you cleared up a lot is the idea of like, just maybe pick one thing, right? Because it can get overwhelming when we all look at our lives. Unfortunately, many of us look at our lives and well, we need to change this. We need to change this. We need to change this. And um, 
maybe start somewhere. And that somewhere doesn't necessarily, yeah, talk about things that aren't maybe a, as specific as a yellow Ducati yeah. motorcycle, right? Like um, you talked about trying to develop your business, but let's, let's, let's talk, for example, we have clients that aren't happy in their careers or yeah. someone who's wants to be in a relationship and doesn't have someone. How do you approach things like that aren't quite as like, or, or maybe they are the same. Well, it's, it's different when it involves people. That's for sure. Like a living, breathing human is a lot harder to track down than a stationary motorcycle or like an object or an apartment. Like you can manifest those things fairly easily. Those things aren't really moving. <laughs> if, you're, if you're trying to bring on a new team member or your soulmate or um, something like that, you know, yeah, there are other, there are other variables to consider. Sure. But what I would say is, you know, with, when someone's starting this work, if they have to prioritize what they focus on first, I would say either approach it one of two ways. Focus on your physical health, because if you do have some kind of an imbalance in your body that is causing you pain or a mood disorder or you're really tired, you know, or you're really depressed, you're going to have to deal with that first because your body is the launch pad for all of your experience every single day. And if you're distracted by pain or discomfort in your body, you're not going to get very far. So that's one of the first things I would do is to start imagining what it feels like to feel your most vital, your most radiant your most healthy, to know what you would do in your day if your body felt just so capable of everything. And yeah, you know, that's just a matter of getting in touch with what you like and don't like about having a, a physical body. And maybe you decide like, hmm, actually, you know what I do like is I feel really, really good when I'm out hiking in nature. And then don't be surprised if a friend invites you to go on a camping trip or something like that, you know? Mm, yeah. Yeah. That was well. Yes, exactly. Then, so don't, don't push away from stuff. Sorry. Go, go ahead. What were you going to say? Yeah. Don't push away from stuff. Notice it. Notice it when it shows up and don't push it away. That's self-sabotage. Right. So so there's also a reckoning of like when it does show up, like you have to feel excited enough to take that opportunity. And, um, you know, but the other approach is like if your physical body is feeling pretty good, you, you know, you want to start somewhere else. I would say it, you, it has to be right livelihood. It has to be like, how do you spend the majority of your day? Probably doing some kind of work or a project of some kind. If you don't like that work. Again, major sabotage to everything else that you're trying to dream up. And what I found is that if you're not happy with your career and you want to be doing something else, it's because your soul came here to do something else. And as soon as you give in and surrender to that and you start thinking about what am I really passionate about? What am I really curious about? 
And how can I use that to help solve problems in other people's lives? Then not only have you found a career path that is of service, (laughs) and you're always going to feel good about that, but there's a level of curiosity, which means you can be a lifelong learner about the thing. It's not going to get boring. But also I find a lot of the time that these projects can be like scalable, so scalable to the point of making five figures a month, working with people all over the world, reaching out to an international client base, an international audience. It's so easy now with the internet. You don't have to be confined to your local community. So I would say one of those two things. And yeah, it's it's a similar recipe of just getting more and more specific about what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And then and make um, it fun. Like, yeah. just like you yeah. said, like it can be, it, it's a dream, right? Like it's, that's the hard part is people look at this so miserably, but if you can get over the fact that like, this doesn't need to be miserable, like you can actually sit in the shower, or go on a dream walk and think about like, what would I really love to be doing and like have fun with it? People, I think the second, as soon as so often, so many of us like get to that point where we're like, Oh my God, this sounds so great. But then immediately like there's uh, what, what, what I call the saboteur voice that comes up and says, Oh no, but you can't do that. There's no way you could do that. And it's uh, letting go of that and letting yourself kind of, kind of run. That voice, um, you know, not only will you be upset with yourself at the end of this life that you listen to that voice, <laughs> you'll, um, you'll have to come back and, and do it all over again. And, you know, your soul wants to do its soul work. It wants to do its soul purpose. You know, you're just going to have to keep coming back into body and being faced with the same challenge. I mean, you think one lifetime of working a shitty job that you hate is hard. Imagine, you know, having that be your karma for like many, many, many lifetimes until you finally take that leap of faith and dive into your passion. So make it fun. Like, so true. Listen to your soul. You know, you know what you like and what you don't like. <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. If if not, yeah. And I think that's if if, uh, if there's nothing else you get from this, which would be crazy to not get anything else from this. But yeah, I I, I love that so much. Uh, Altair is just you know what you like and what you don't like. We all do. Like you do. So stop acting like you don't. <laughs> is my. Right. Yes. Is my yes. my sermon today. Are you or actually your sermon that I'm just <laughs> reiterating? Preach, preach. <laughs> it's not bad to want what you want. It's not selfish. You're not gonna jinx it. My little sister said something so cute the other day. She was like, Well, I guess I just always thought that if you talk about what you want all the time, then you're jinxing yourself. And I was like, What like elementary school superstitious bullshit is that <laughs> like oh you but that's how people feel that's a that's true like i think i mean i felt like i mean that's it's crazy yeah. because that's a world that we live in that people think that like because we don't think we deserve it we don't yeah. think that we're supposed to have that we think life's supposed to be hard we think life's supposed to be a struggle if we want to have a good life we have to work really hard for 50 years and then we get to retire for a couple years and then have a oh. good life and at that yeah it's it's insane It's insane. And, you know, it's just like my favorite movie of all time, which is The Matrix. You know, Neo doesn't get this stuff overnight. 
you know, he's been researching it his whole life. He finally meets Morpheus. He finally unplugs from the Matrix. It's not like at that stage, he's jumping across buildings right away. It takes practice. It takes faith. It takes reminding yourself. It takes reinforcing yourself. But if you can wake up every morning and get excited about the possibility of today being another adventure into how miraculous life can be, all of those days add up. And then after a year, you look back. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. And I want that for everyone. I really do. Enough of the bullshit. Enough of people on the hamster wheel, depressed and scared. You know, enough of watching, fucking keeping up with the Kardashians and thinking like, oh, that must be so nice for them. You know, I find that a lot of people who are at least open to this idea of exploring personal development, like I'm sure so many of your listeners, that's why they're they're so excited to listen to you and learn from you as they want to make these changes. These types of people are also at some level interested in giving back to the planet. They love nature. They love helping others and and they know how good it feels to feel better and to help other people feel better. You know, the beautiful thing now is like not only do you get to engage with a lifestyle that feels more relaxing, that feels more exciting, that feels more at ease, you know, and in alignment with what you want to do, but there's often also a component of that which is actually actively helping the planet and that is what we need we don't Mm. need people going home every night sitting in front of the tv and numbing their brains with a bunch of sugar because they're so depressed that they can't have what they want well it's our responsibility to teach people that they can have what they want and that they should and that's what their soul came here to do you know it breaks my heart that people that it's yeah that the state of the world is overwhelmingly one where people are in a kind of bondage and kind of slavery to systems that disempower them. And it's not true. It's not true. No, no, it's not. I agree. (sighs) Um, Wow. What a great discussion. Do you, uh, I want people to know how they can get in touch with you. But before we go there, is there anything else that you wanted to bring up that we maybe haven't covered? I think this has been so useful out here. Thank you so much, Joe. No, you know, there's nothing that's coming to mind in this moment except to offer you my, my gratitude for sharing these principles with people for making sure that it feels approachable, actionable, I hope that we've demonstrated some of like the practical nature of this work today. Um, But otherwise, yeah, that's what we're here for, right? Is to make ourselves available in a more of like a one-on-one in-depth way with anyone who feels called to explore things in more depth. So of course, you know, I'm extending that invitation to anyone who's curious. Sure. Absolutely. And how would people that are curious and kind of reaching out, for you. I'll put your info in their show notes, but um, how can they get in touch with you if they're listening today? Yep. I, you know, I'm i most active on Instagram. So that's a great way to follow 
whatever it is I'm sharing, whatever tips, you know, I try to offer a lot of free resources, a lot of high quality value um, for free through my Instagram. So you can definitely follow me there. Like I definitely encourage that. And then anyone who feels called to learn about my private coaching programs or who wants to participate in a past life soul regression, they can send me a direct message on Instagram, or they can fill out the form on my website, which is altercambata.com. Okay, cool. Uh, Interesting story for you guys listening. The the way Altair and I got connected, um, we had initially on Instagram, and one of the cool things that you did, which I thought was awesome, was when we, my, my wife, Natalie helps out a lot with my Instagram. So she was kind of helping and, uh, had added you or started following you. And then I woke up, I think the next day and I had like a video from you and you sent me like a video, just like really simple. Like, Hey Joe, thanks for following. Hope you have a great day. Love to. And it was just, I'd never seen anything like that before. So I thought that was super cool that like you took the time to send a video and now here we are on the show. And, um, I thought that was really neat. So that was cool. That is really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I just want to thank you for, for, for this today. And I also want to compliment you on something a little bit um, outside of what we've talked about. But I'm really impressed with your, uh, with your speaking skills. That's something, as someone who does podcasting, I listen to myself more and more. And I'm like, all right, you got to uh, – I don't want to slow down too much because I'm a fast-paced guy and that's part of who I am. But I want to take time to – articulate my words a little bit more and not be like, Hey, I'm doing that. Blah, 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 and I'm all over the place. And you do a very good job of kind of, you, you speak in a good monitor. I don't know the word for it, but yeah. Um, yeah. You're very, you're very articulate in your words. Thank you. I really appreciate that. That's definitely because my mom is British and she's just like a classic British lady and her vocabulary is amazing. And her elocution is amazing. So. Yeah. Well, so is yours. My mom. Thanks. Cool. Well, thanks again for joining. And um, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode today. And um, we look forward to your feedback. We really do. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for everyone listening. Hey, guys, it's Joe. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. I have a couple requests for you. Number one, subscribe to the podcast. If you liked it, subscribe, share it with some friends. Number two, go to my website, joechiccarelli.com and subscribe to my blog. I send updates out when I drop new podcasts uh, once in a while with new blogs and some other stuff. So I'll keep you updated on what's going on. The last piece, if you or anyone you know has interest in joining the podcast as a potential client or even as someone um, to have a valuable discussion, or you know someone that might be good for me to bring on here an interview and pick their brain about how they've uh, how they how they've come to find success in their life. Let me know. Uh, you can get my contact information on my website if you don't already have it. And I, I look forward to hearing from you guys. I hope you have a great day.